This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. The last words of a dying man carry a certain weight to them. Wisdom is not always found with age, but by and large, life has a way of clarifying what is important. Now, as we begin the book of Deuteronomy today, let me encourage you to watch the video intro to the book. If you're following along on the app, it's right there in line with the readings. If not, I'll post the link in the show notes for today's episode. I hope that you'll watch it. It'll give you a great overview of the book and how it fits into the one big story. Now, the book of Deuteronomy is just that. It is Moses' final words of wisdom prior to entering the land. As we hear these words, it would do us well to heed the life lessons that these Israelites learned in the desert season. On today's podcast, we'll consider just a few of them. Just one verse today from Deuteronomy chapter 1, it's verse 30. It says, the Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you, just as you saw him do for you in Egypt. Deuteronomy records for us Moses' recounting of the people's history. It's the story so far. These people, fresh off of 40 years of wandering in the desert, have now come again at last to the banks of their destiny. Moses, the fabled leader of this wandering horde, now is giving this group his final instructions after his mistake that he made at Meribah, a mistake that will be revisited in Deuteronomy chapter 3. There's a sense of heaviness in his words in these chapters. After all, God had started all of this through this man's leadership. Moses had spoken with the oracles of God to these people for over 40 years now. God had vindicated his leadership against Aaron, against Miriam, against Korah. He had performed the miracles in Egypt, the famed plagues that these children had heard of from their parents. And this was the man that descended the mountain aglow with the glory of God. And now, in the final stages of his tremendous, incredible leadership, he passes down the critical words of wisdom that they would need as they enter the destiny to which God had ultimately called them. He recounts for them in painful detail the momentous lack of faith that their fathers had as they stood on the banks of this very same river 40 years earlier. We're told it is only an 11-day journey from Horeb which is Mount Sinai. And still, it took them 40 years to get there because God had to basically annihilate an entire generation of people who did not believe that God could do what he promised to do. All the fighting men, likely 600,000 strong, had died in this wilderness. 3,000 of them were killed with the sword at the base of the mountain because of their idolatry. 250 more were killed at Korah. If each of them were married, then that averages 82 funerals a day. People were literally dropping like flies. This is precisely what God would happen, that their corpses would fall in the wilderness, the very language that God used. 
when they first chose not to believe him. One year in the desert for every day that these spies didn't believe God. Now, to make matters worse, every place that they go through, they're commanded to stay on the road and don't provoke the people because this was the land that God had given their descendants, the descendants of Esau, the descendants of Lot. They're all comfortably living in their land. This is precisely what the children of Israel could have been doing had they trusted God 40 years earlier. With every nation that they pass through, it's almost as if God is reminding them of what they could have experienced, peace in their own land, had they merely trusted him. There is one silver lining, though. God provided for them every day and led them every day around in that wilderness until they died as a consequence of their own belief. It says something of the character of God to care for a dying generation because of their unbelief in him. He could have had every right to annihilate them immediately, but instead, he stayed with them, even though they didn't believe in him, and let their punishment for their sin run its entire course. Until another generation arose who would believe in God's promise. God still planned to accomplish his promise. It would just be to a generation who would believe him. It wasn't that God's promises would not be achieved. It was that they would not be accomplished through them. See, they didn't forfeit God's promise, only their involvement in that promise. Now, as we think to apply these things, I don't want to squander the opportunity in my own life to be a part of what God wants me to do in the world either. I can't allow my own unbelief to keep me tiptoeing through the wilderness until I die out there because I don't believe the promises of God. I allow the fear in my heart to overrule my faith in God's word sometimes. And faith is consistently demonstrated by our, by our obedience. Joshua's faith was shown by marching around the city. Naaman's faith was shown by dipping in the Jordan. The widow's faith was, faith was demonstrated by gathering pots. Peculiar obedience rarely makes logical sense to the heart who doesn't firmly believe the promises of God and his word. But consider the consequences of leaning to our own logic. It's certain death in the wilderness. We may experience fear as we enter the destiny that God has for us. There may be seasons of doubt, but at the same time, the inevitable consequences of unbelief are much greater than the unperceived and yet unrealized fears that accompany our obedience. We must walk in faith if we don't want to tiptoe through the desert till our corpses fall in the wilderness, no matter how much we fear the future. Though there is no reason to fear it, God we serve, the God we serve will fight for us when we walk in obedience. Obedience is the realization and the demonstration of our faith in the God that can provide and protect us as we take possession of the land that he has promised. So Jesus, help us to obey you as the proof of our faith in your promises. Guard us against the fear and our own devilish logic that may tempt us to return to the wilderness. Help us instead to walk in faith believing that you will fight our battles, and if you said it, you will do it. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, 
please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.